0: If you've seen or read Tolkien's The Hobbit, then you know that Gandalf convinced Thorin and the dwarves to take Bilbo Baggins, a simple hobbit from the Shire, on a quest to reclaim Erebor. But you may not know why Gandalf chose Bilbo in the first place, or how Gandalf and Thorin met, or how Gandalf received the map and key that he could pass along to Thorin, and still yet how unlikely the whole story is and how the tale is tangled up in the larger fight against Sauron. Today, we explore the tale called The Quest for Erebor, from J.R.R. Tolkien's Unfinished Tales. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba Let's check the map so we know where we are for today's story. If none of this makes sense, feel free to listen to a previous episode or two to catch back up. It is the Third Age of Middle-Earth. Last episode, we covered the dwarves and primarily their chief house, Durin's Folk we explored the founding and fall of Kazadum and the founding and fall of Erebor the Lonely Mountain. We touched on the last of the Seven Rings of Power that were given to the Dwarves, and scrutinized a chance meeting between Gandalf and Thorin that started the quest for Erebor. But there's more to that tale, and even different versions of it. So, let's wander. Before we get too far, you first need to understand that I am drawing on different versions of the tale, we owe a lot to J.R.R. R. Tolkien's son Christopher, who did the Herculean task of compiling his father's unpublished notes into a book we know as Unfinished Tales. The tale known as The Quest for Erebor has at least three different versions, plus the little bit that is included in the appendix for The Lord of the Rings. Various details are inconsistent with each other, though the framing of the tale is consistent. This tale is told from Gandalf's perspective as Frodo, Pippin, and Gimli pepper Gandalf with questions, at Minas Tirith, after Sauron has been overthrown, and Aragorn has been crowned king. An early version of the tale gives us the setting like this, Gandalf was very merry, and though we asked him questions about all that came into our minds, his patience seemed as endless as his knowledge. I don't know about you, but I would love to sit for days with a patient Gandalf answering all my questions about Middle-earth. During this question-and-answer session, Gimli makes remark that the Shire is hallowed land, because not only did the recovery of the Lonely Mountain from Smog the Dragon begin in the Shire, but also the fall of Sauron and the recovery of the kingdoms of men. Then he says, quote, Both were strangely woven together, strangely, very strangely. Gimli then turns to Gandalf and says, But who wove the web? Did you plan all this then, Gandalf? A fair question from Gimli as it seems that Gandalf had some foresight or knowledge of what would happen on the dwarves' trip. Did Gandalf know that Bilbo would find the One Ring? Did Gandalf know that the One Ring could be found at all? And in his questioning, Gimli furthers the theme of unlikely chance. Chance that seems trivial on the surface, yet has profound impact as if it were by design. What were the chances that the One Ring would be found by a hobbit, and later, that a hobbit would be chosen as the ring-bearer to enter Mordor? Gandalf considers the question in silence for a moment, then says that he does not know the answer, but he cites some words that he said to Frodo one year before quote, Bilbo was meant to find the ring, and not by its maker, and you, therefore, were meant to bear it. Gandalf doesn't plainly say who it was who meant for Bilbo to find the ring, who meant for Frodo to bear it, or who meant for Gandalf to guide him, but he does leave a curious statement hanging in the air that gives a clue to who it was, quote, Oloran I was in the west that is forgotten, and only to those who are there shall I speak more openly. So, it would seem to me that Gandalf is hinting that the Valar, either one of them individually or all of them collectively, were the orchestrators of the great web that brought about Sauron's downfall. We know that Olmo, the Valar over the waters, never abandoned Middle-earth to its fate he having helped found Nargothrond and Gondolin in the First Age. Manwe, the High King of the Valar over the winds, was closest to the heart of the creator of Middle-earth, Iluvatar. Maybe Gandalf didn't want to guess or assume in front of these mortals that the Valar had a part, but it's the best theory I have. Gandalf then goes on to explain what was his actual motivation at the time for sending the dwarves to reclaim Erebor, And it's a motivation that we've explored before. Gandalf knew that Sauron was preparing for war, and he believed Sauron's first strike would be against Rivendell and Lothlorien. Gandalf also knew that the defenses in the northeast of Middle Earth were essentially non-existent, and to further the matter, Smaug the dragon could likely be persuaded by Sauron to join the war. Thus, to Gandalf, the primary problem was how to thwart Sauron's plans, and secondarily, how to rid himself of a dragon. At this point in the Third Age, Gandalf had had very little dealing with the dwarves, though he was sympathetic to the exiled dwarves from Erebor. But then came the so called chance meeting between him and Thorin. In some versions, this meeting is at an inn in Bree, probably the Prancing Pony. In another version, it's on the road to Bree. No matter how they met, Gandalf could quickly see that Thorin longed for vengeance against Smaug, and needed no convincing to take up his father's charge. And to try to reclaim Erebor for the dwarves. However, Thorin wanted large armies to march against the dragon, but Gandalf persuaded him against the idea, saying, quote, Your own ideas are those of a king, Thorin Oakenshield, but your kingdom is gone. If it is to be restored, which I doubt, it must be from small beginnings. And so Gandalf suggested a different strategy stealth, and even more so, stealth from a creature that a dragon had never before known a hobbit. At this point, Gloin, father of Gimli and friend of Thorin, objects against Gandalf's idea. Quote, one of those simpletons down in the Shire, what use on earth or under it could he possibly be? Before I get to Gandalf's response to Gloin's accusation, I want to quickly point out why Gimli wasn't on the trip to reclaim Erebor. Hobbit movie fans will remember a fun scene when the elves have captured the dwarves in the forest and Legolas asks Gloin about a sketch in a frame. Quote, and what is this horrid creature, a goblin mutant? And Glun retorts, that's my wee lad, Gimli. Gimli, it turns out, wanted to go with Thorn on his quest to the Lonely Mountain, but says, quote, I was not allowed to go on the quest. Too young, they said, though at 62, I thought myself fit for anything. Apparently, 62 years old is too young for dwarves to participate in deadly battles against dragons. But who knows? Maybe there was more than mere chance in Gimli's being forbidden to go. Thorin, Feely, and Keely, and more were slain in the Battle of Five Armies. If Gimli had been there, would he have fallen too? And if so, what of his contributions as one of the Nine Walkers of the Company? Perhaps the Valar had a part in this too. Regardless, let's get back to Gandalf convincing the dwarves to take a hobbit. Gandalf defends his idea, citing the tremendous courage that hobbits can display in a pinch, and not only that, Hobbits are marvelously quiet, far more so than dwarves. At this point, I want to remind you of a line from the prologue to the Fellowship of the Ring on Concerning Hobbits. Quote, They possessed from the first the art of disappearing, swiftly and silently, when large folk whom they do not wish to meet come blundering by. And this art they have developed until to men it may seem magical. But hobbits have never, in fact, studied magic of any kind and their elusiveness is due solely to a professional skill that hereditary and practice, and a close friendship with the Earth, have rendered immutable by bigger and clumsier races. This stealthiness is also on full display in Amazon's Rings of Power series. The Harfoots, precursors to the Hobbits, are shown as being close to the Earth, even startling some humans in the first episode. But there was another reason that Gandalf suggested a Hobbit, a reason for his own mission, The hobbits had begun to forget. Forget their own beginnings and legends. Forget what little they had known about the greatness of the world. It was not yet gone, but it was getting buried. The memory of the high and the perilous. Gandalf also recognized that he couldn't force all the hobbits to remember their place in the world, not all at once. So he had to begin with one. One small place to start. But which one? And this is how he landed on Bilbo Baggins. Gandalf had been away from the Shire for around 20 years, before his chance meeting with Thorin. But as the plan began to be formed, Gandalf knew he needed a hobbit. He started to put a checklist together of the ideal hobbit for such an adventure. He needed, quote, a dash of a Took, but not entirely a Took, as we know that Pippin is often referred to as full of a Took. So to balance out the Tookishness, Gandalf wanted a more steady character, someone from the Baggins family. That led Gandalf to think of Bilbo. His father was a Baggins, and his mother was a Took. And even more helpful, Bilbo had been an admirer of Gandalf's from a young age, and loved maps. And to further the choice, Bilbo had not yet gotten married, which for his age as a hobbit was unusual. But Gandalf had a guess as to why Bilbo hadn't yet settled down in marriage, quote, I guessed that he wanted to remain unattached for some reason deep down which he did not understand himself, or would not acknowledge, for it alarmed him. He wanted all the same, to be free, to go when the chance came. And the chance for Bilbo to go on an adventure came, but before and after his chance came, Gandalf still needed to persuade the dwarves to take him. It was Balin, actually, who first guessed at Gandalf's intentions. Balin becomes convinced when he thinks that Bilbo is a trained treasure seeker. Can they still be found? He asks Gandalf, who replied that he thinks they can for a fee. Then with some level of foresight given to Gandalf, he says to Thorin, If you persuade this hobbit to join you, you will succeed. If you do not, you will fail. In the end, Gandalf persuaded the dwarves to take Bilbo, and the dwarves persuaded Bilbo to come with them to the Lonely Mountain. So Gandalf's strategy takes shape. He needed to prevent Sauron's first strike and remove a dragon, he had an exiled Dwarvish king who would take up the challenge, and a stealthy hobbit burglar who would join them. But how could they achieve their quest? The key, yes pun intended, came in the form of a map and key which, by chance, came into Gandalf's possession. We'll get to that right after this break. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. You can be the hero of your own Marvel Comics adventure. Marvel Strike Force is an extraordinary mobile game, a haven for comic book enthusiasts and gamers alike. Lead your own fellowship of heroes and villains to battle against the forces of darkness that threaten the very fabric of the universe. From the menacing Doctor Doom to the formidable apocalypse, every battle is a chance to prove your mettle. And right now, Marvel Strike Force is commemorating its six year anniversary. That means free rewards await those who heed the call and sign up today. With weekly events and bonuses, this anniversary celebration promises a treasure trove of special rewards. Rally your allies, sharpen your blades, and dive into the action of Marvel Strike Force today. Use code MAXPOOL to unlock free new treasures. That's code MAXPOOL, all one word, on the mobile game Marvel Strike Force. Now, back to wandering. Hobbit movie fans will remember the scene during Bilbo's Unexpected Party, where Gandalf reveals a map and key to Thorin. Thorin asks how Gandalf came by them, and he merely says, quote, it was given to me by your father Thrain for safekeeping. An understatement, if I may say so. Let's shed a little more light on this tale. Gandalf reveals the tale to Frodo, Gimli, and Pippin, calling his possession of the map and key a, quote, strange chance that had put them in my hands. Nearly one hundred years before Gandalf convinced Thorin to the quest, Gandalf had entered into Dol Guldor by disguise. Dolguldor is an evil fortress in the southern half of the forest of Mirkwood. At the time, an evil necromancer controlled Doguldor, who would later turn out to be Sauron. This was unbeknownst to Gandalf at the time. In the fortress, Gandalf found, quote, an unhappy dwarf dying in the pits. The dwarf was crazed, but managed to mention repeatedly that he possessed a great ring. Quote, the last of the seven, he said, over and over again. After a time, the dwarf produced a map and key that appeared to be associated with Durin's folk. He handed the map and key to Gandalf, and just before he died, told Gandalf that they were quote, for my son. But he did not tell Gandalf who he was or his son's name. Gandalf concluded his business in spying out Dol Guldur, and he quote, stowed the things away, and by some warning of his heart, he kept them always with him, safe, but soon almost forgotten. This dwarf, Gandalf later surmised, was Thorin's father, Thrain, who nine years before had left his people to attempt to reclaim Erebor with a small band of dwarves. As they neared Dolgaldor, however, Thrain had been captured, and Gandalf found him when he had been in the dungeons for at least five years. Gandalf had a guess as to why Thrain was able to possess the map and key, when everything else had been taken from him, including his sanity. His guess was that Sauron, in torturing Thrain, desired only to reclaim the ring of power that Thrain possessed. And once he had obtained it, Saron had flung Thrain into the pits without a second thought. Of this mistake on Saron's part, Gandalf has this to say. Quote, a small oversight, but it proved fatal. Small oversights often do. Let's examine this claim for a moment. Saron's small oversight, to not check Thrain for more than a ring of power, proved fatal to him. Pretend for a moment that Sauron had found the map and the key on Thrain. What would Thrain have given Gandalf? Without the map and key, how could Gandalf have convinced Thorin to go on the quest? And even if he had, how would Thorin and the dwarves attempt to enter Erebor through the dragon's front door? That would have been disastrous. But even more important, if Thorin never attempted the quest, Bilbo never would have left the Shire. If Bilbo never left the Shire... He never would have found the one ring deep under the mountains. If the one ring hadn't been found or if it had stayed in Gollum's possession or had it been found by an evil creature like an orc or even a balrog, then the free peoples of Middle-earth never would have had a chance to destroy it. If the ring hadn't been found by Bilbo, then it's likely that it would not have been destroyed, and then Sauron would not have been overthrown, and Middle-earth would have fallen into darkness. So yes, Sauron's small oversight led to his downfall. I think a line from Elrond is worth repeating here, Yet such is oft the course of deeds that move the wheels of the world. Small hands do them because they must, while the eyes of the great are elsewhere. Small oversights and small chances can have vast consequences. Thanks for wandering with me today. Please join me next time, where we will explore some timeline trivia and what Amazon's Rings of Power got wrong about time in Middle-earth. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at More of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.